Welcome to Garbage and Gold, the podcast that is occasionally objectionable, obligingly opportune, and opulently observant. Yeah, I'm Lisa. And I am Lindsay. (laughs) Each week, we pick the worst and the best of a certain topic and present our ideas for each other and for you listeners then. You all have the ability to weigh in on who you agree with more and share your picks with us. We will give you more information about how you can do that at the end of the show. But before we dive into our topic for this week's episode, let's hit the recap and poll results from last week's episode. Lisa. Yeah. The poll results are in for yes. our reality shows. Yeah. Um, and how are you feeling about your results in 2020 so far? <laughs> Up to this week, not great. This week, real good. Feel real good. Do you? I do. I'm feeling really happy about it, but we'll see. <laughs> in the garbage showdown between my garbage of Big Brother and uh-huh. your garbage of The Apprentice, mm-hmm. you do win. Yay! You do win. Congratulations. Don't like The Apprentice or The Apprentice host, I think is what <laughs> I was going to say. Mm, maybe you maybe you jumped on a bandwagon there, but whatever. <clears throat> Wonderful. Okay, yes. great. And then in the gold showdown between my gold of the nominated for 144 <laughs> awards, winner of 16 Emmys, The Amazing Race. Yeah. And my cultural versus your choice of flavor of love. The cultural classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We tie. No! Dang it! We tie. (laughs) Yeah. It I would have out and out won if I would have disregarded Instagram. Listen. Sometimes reality TV just needs to be trash. And that's what makes it gold. Well, and Lisa, I think I've said this on the podcast before, and I believe I stole it from another podcast. Trash recognizes trash. Yeah, you have said that before. Yeah. And I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yep. So congratulations. It's been a good week for Lisa. You, you, you needed a week like this. I did. I did. It wasn't a sweep, but man, it was close. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was so, like, I was almost ill as I was tallying votes. I was like, there's no way that Flavor of Love is going to win this. Like, I quit. This is very close. Lisa, do you have some listener comments for us? I sure, sure do. Oh, my gosh. I am trying to, like, get my breath back. I'm so happy. Okay. Um, The first one is from Chris Schrader on Twitter. He said, after months of unemployment-fueled exile, I'm back and finally caught up on the pod. It's very hard not to throw out a ton of references that would trigger Lisa after this binge. Hashtag Mm -hmm. get my steps. Okay, well, listen. But he also hashtag voted for me for both of my reality shows, so that feels better. But Chris, welcome back. Start thinking about your votes, maybe. But (laughs) we're glad you're back. back. And then my other one is from Trevor G, also on Twitter. He said, this episode was a Lindsay sweep for me. I'm a new listener to G&G, and I've flown through the episodes in a matter of weeks. You two have an awesome and engaging podcast that is always a blast to tune into. I can't wait for the next episode. You are Lindsay's new favorite, Trevor. I can promise you that. (laughs) Welcome to the team, Trevor. (laughs) Welcome to the team. 
Yeah, but it's just it's super cool to have new listeners and new people engaging with us and stuff. So yeah, anyway, that makes me happy. So even if they vote for Lindsay, that's okay. Okay. All right, Lindsay, what are your listener comments this week? Uh, so I just have one listener comment, and it is on Twitter from Isaac Jackson, who says, if you're alive, please check out Garbage Garbage Gold Pod's most recent episode, and please vote for Flavor of Love. I know you got other pointless voting to do later on this year, but this one really matters. Isaac, I love the um, that you really have your finger on the pulse of what is happening in our political system. However, judging by your gold choice for voting... I'm worried about you voting, and I think maybe the election doesn't need you. Maybe November you should just take a hard pass and just go to a movie or something. Maybe you should stay home and watch Flavor of Love. It's it's so gold. Yes, yes, he should, but also vote because Isaac is amazing and he's been super popping on our Twitter this week, and I appreciate that. He has Isaac. I that is all in good fun. You can. You can love Flavor of Love if you want to. I will just remind you, 144 <laughs> award nominations for Amazing Race. Can we get on to the show? Should we get on to the show? Yeah, probably. Okay, we're going to do that now. So, Lisa, mm-hmm. our topic for today... Is a very interesting topic. Yes. Uh, could be quite divisive. Ooh, okay. For some of our for some of our listeners, maybe in a certain age brackets, they will have never heard of any of this. But this week we are <laughs> discussing Brat Pack movies. Yeah. So for those who are not informed about the bat uh, informed about the Brat Pack, ooh, that's tough. Um <laughs> Why don't you give us a little more information so we can really make our decisions um, from a place of great um, um, knowledge? Absolutely. I would love to do that. So the uh, research today comes from three websites that are not Wikipedia. So that's a thing that I did once. Uh, They're from Ranker.com, Factinate.com, and NPR.org. All right. So... The Brat Pack is a group of young actors and actresses who appeared in a lot of movies together, which dominated Hollywood in the 80s. Their films were primarily teen-oriented, coming-of-age stories involving romance, troubled youth, and plenty of fast times. The Brat Pack refers to the constellation of actors that appeared in either St. Elmo's Fire or The Breakfast Club, and then people that kind of were in movies with them, so it kind of spiderwebs out from that. Um, The notable Brat Packers include Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson and Molly Ringwald. The term Brat Pack is spoofing the term Rat Pack from the 50s and 60s, and the Brat Pack reflected the same partying celebrity image as their predecessors. But the difference is that this crew, the Brat Pack, consisted of young actors starring in successful Hollywood movies aimed at youth of the day, most of which were often written or directed by the legendary John Hughes. The movies are still hailed as classics, even though when they came out, they got a very mixed reception. Not surprisingly, the term Brat Pack was not flattering at the time, despite mm. how when we refer to it now, it's like tinged with nostalgia and it's kind of a cute thing. Uh, it was extremely damaging to several of the careers of the young actors at the time. So 
finally, there's been lots of speculation why uh, John Hughes largely retreated from Hollywood since the mid-1990s. And there's some rumors that he wasn't happy living in Los Angeles and he was tired of the criticism and critiques of his films. And and there's, there's revisionist history. So in retrospect, a lot of these movies are held up as iconic movies. At the time, however, a lot of reviewers didn't like them and he was really sensitive about that. <clears throat> And I think one of the the things that really encapsulates what a brat, why the Brat Pack is so great and why John Hughes movies and this genre are so great is he was smart enough to take teenagers and their problems seriously. There's a timelessness to adolescent angst, coming-of-age struggles that crop up with every new generation of teens. And mm-hmm. I think that that's absolutely correct because that's why you can watch it of any generation. So even if technology changes, even, you know, whatever, there's still that very similar, familiar struggle of adolescent angst and coming of age and fighting yeah. the system and hating your parents and all that stuff. I mean, there's just so much there to yeah. connect to that. I feel like it definitely makes it timeless. Yeah. I will say with John Hughes movies, for every Home Alone that he wrote, he also wrote Home Alone 2 and Home Alone 3. So, like, it's yes. such a mixed bag with him of, like, yes. this is yes. amazing and this is awful. Yes. And so, um, as, as I was looking at the list, I was like, oh, that can't be John Hughes. I'm like, oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's not. Mm. Not yeah. great. Yeah, he has not, some that you're like, good. oh, buddy, what's yeah. going on? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes. So, mm-hmm. all right. So that is my research on Brat okay. Pack movies. Yeah. Oh, and oh, I should also say the um, the list that we're using, I will put it in the show notes, but it's from Ranker.com, which lists all the Brat Pack movies that we yeah. are using as our options today. Because there's yes. some dispute, as there always is, because internet of what is included and what isn't included. So I'll put that list so you can see what we drew from for our choices today. So. Okay, Lindsay. Yes. What is your garbage of Brat Pack movies? <laughs> um, so I feel like there should be some honorable mentions. Oh, I, I do have Absolutely. an honorable mention for garbage. And yeah. this one is uh, going to be yeah. a controversial garbage because I've Ooh. seen your honorable mentions for gold and you're not going to like this. But my oh, my okay. honorable mention for garbage is 16 Candles. Okay. Because of the incredibly racist foreign exchange student that yep, is that's not great awful doesn't no, age well not great yeah doesn't age well it, the only thing that saves it is jake the boy protagonist who is a dreamboat he saves he the movie a, from being the garbage mm-hmm. so my garbage choice for the garbagest of brat pack movies and i think there's probably more garbage in brat pack movies but my garbage is weird science okay weird okay. science written and directed by john hughes uh-huh. was released in 1985, which is the same year as my gold choice. Interesting. <clears throat> the synopsis from IMDb is two unpopular teenagers, Gary Wallace and Wyatt Donnelly, fail at all attempts to be accepted by their peers. Their desperation to be liked leads them to create a woman woman via their computer. Their living and breathing creation is a gorgeous woman, Lisa, Hey, whose purpose is to boost their confidence level by putting them into situations which require Gary and Wyatt to act like men. Yes. This movie stars uh, Kelly LeBrock as Lisa. Mm -hmm. And then two triple namers, Anthony Michael Hall and Elon Mitchell Smith. It has a 56% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but it is garbage. <laughs> <clears throat> it's garbage for a few reasons. The first is 
I feel like I've seen it, but I don't remember seeing it. Mm. Like, I don't remember mm. it being like, oh my gosh, a classic. Like, right. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Secondly, it's super formulaic. Now, a lot of Brat Pack movies are super formulaic, but like they're at least like aware that they're formulaic. This one is just straight up bad. Like if the main characters are two nerds. They can't get a girl if they wanted to. They can't make friends. Right. They're outcasts. And so they're going to like have this live in this fantasy world where suddenly this perfect woman is going to help them. Um, mm-hmm. It even ends at like the end of the movie, there's a big party and then like ruffians break in and like cause all kinds of problems. It's right. very, very brat packy. So another reason why it is garbage is it reinforces an unrealistic view of women. Kelly LeBronc as Lisa is legit gorgeous. She is. And like this Lisa character is also brilliant, but this perfect woman ideal has been, and it just continues to be as, as the perfect woman image changes. Um, it just continues to be damaging to young women that this is the standard that they're being held to. And like right now, the Kelly LeBrock of the eighties would not be considered the ideal woman shape or, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, so as, culture changes and changes this ideal woman. Um, right. Women are expected to look like this thing that mm-hmm. is impossible and a target that keeps moving. Mm-hmm. It's just not healthy. Yeah. Right. And the last reason, and this one's an important one, it makes me hate teenage boys. It makes me hate teenage <laughs> boys. Um, all... I mean, I'm not like super thrilled with them anyway, but it really makes I was me hate say, them. say, they don't start off super high, I think, on the list, but yeah, yeah okay. No. Um... <laughs> All of the humor in this movie is around these needy teenage, or needy, these, well, a little bit, these nerdy <laughs> teenagers who want yeah. to hook up with someone and they they spend their entire time in this movie. Their entire identity is about trying to get somewhere that they aren't and trying to right. get someone that they can't get. Um, it's the yeah. only thing the movie's about. It's the only thing the humor is about in that movie. There's no nuance mm-hmm. to them. It is just right. two nerds create the perfect woman. And that's just not great. And like, I get that that might be what teenage boys think about all the time. Yes. I I don't need 95 minutes to remind me that that's all they're thinking about. (laughs) Yeah. I think that he definitely had his finger on the pulse of teenage boys. Cause I think, yes, if they had the means to do something like this, yes, they would. Does that mean that we should celebrate it in film form? Probably not, but I feel like it's at least at the, at the very base accurate, plausible. No, but yeah. Anyway, it's just, again, it's one of those where, like, in 1985, John Hughes also wrote and direct my goal, directed my goal choice. And it's like, so yeah. it's so crazy to me that it's not, you know, like mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, you can be like, that's going to be a good movie. Whether or not it's going to be your favorite movie, you know, it's going to be good. With John Hughes, there is this level of like, ah, poof, hopefully. Yeah. It's Dep- a big depends on his mood. Range. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, weird science is not great. It is not no, great. It isn't. All right. Yeah. That is, so, that's a good one. So that's my garbage. Yeah. <clears throat> Lisa, what yeah. is your garbage Brat Pack movie? Yeah. So uh, looking at this list, I realized I had not actually seen a lot of these, which is not surprising. <laughs> However, I did select one for garbage that I have seen because I think that's important. Mm. Um, and the one I chose is 1987 romantic comedy Mannequin. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. 1987. Good year for movies. <laughs> it apparently. Was, apparently. 
Yeah. Except for Mannequin. Except for Mannequin, which is a film starring Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall. It's written and directed by Michael Gottlieb, and it was also co-written by Edward Rogoff. It's a modern retelling of the Pygmalion myth, which uh, is a sculptor who fell, who fell in love with a statue he had carved. It tells a story, this movie tells a story about a chronically underemployed artist, weird, named <laughs> Jonathan Switcher, who was Andrew McCarthy, who gets a job at a department store window dresser apparently that's a job you can get and falls in love with a mannequin (laughs) the attraction being that she comes to life on occasion but only for him now there is one good thing about this movie and i'm going to say it now so people don't blast me later mannequin did receive a nomination for an academy award for best original song for its main title song nothing's gonna stop us now by starship which is a Mm. rad song (laughs) it is a rad song it is a rad song okay oh and and to go back to um yeah. My choice of weird science, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Yes. Which is the only redeeming factor. Continue. All right. So here's the plot of Mannequin. If you're not familiar, buckle up. So in ancient Egypt. Yep. We're going to ancient Egypt, everybody. Emmy hides in a pyramid from her mother who wants an arranged marriage. Emmy prays to the gods to save her and find her true love in the future. The gods answer her prayers and she suddenly vanishes before her mother's eyes. Okay, but what single girl has not wished to find her perfect match in the future, but she means like in six months. And this apparently means 6,000 years. I mean, it happens. Could you imagine waking up in 1987 and being like, oh, I did not mean this. Did not mean this. (laughs) Philadelphia. In 1987, Philadelphia. Mm. And so Jonathan Switcher takes a number of odd jobs, including one where he d- he assembles a beautiful, perfect mannequin. I'm seeing some themes with our garbage, <laughs> and I appreciate us. Okay. Over so- here with the feminists. It's fine. We just became a feminist podcast. <laughs> just now. Yeah. Just now. We've never been feminist before, ever. <laughs> So although Jonathan painstakingly expresses his artistic passion, which I guess is designing mannequins, his Mm. employers dismiss him for taking too much time or deviating from a pattern. His girlfriend breaks up with him, uh, which is maybe good because he's falling in love with mannequins. So I think maybe his girlfriend is doing the right thing here. Let's Mm -hmm. not girlfriend shame this woman making good choices. Mm -hmm. All right. Or she's so so boring that the mannequins are more interesting. Oh, God. Her knees bend and he hates that. Okay, so after his motorcycle breaks down in the rain, Jonathan passes his department store and he recognizes his perfect mannequin in the window. And he declares that she is the first thing that made him feel like an artist. So he is finding value Mm. in her because he created her. This is the value he finds in her is that he's the one that made her. Okay, just the next morning, he saves the owner from being killed by a falling sign. This, I, I swear to God, this is the actual plot. I'm not just making this up as I go along. This is not a story written by a 10-year-old. This is right. real. This is what the plot of the Man, movie is. Man, I should okay. have read the plot for Weird Science. It's also <laughs> terrible. It is. God. So anyway, he ends up working there and they, they uh, he and another person design the window display, whatever. When he's alone, when Jonathan is alone, the mannequin he's obsessed with. So he's obsessed with it before it comes to life. Let us be very clear about that is what's happening here. Mm. He's obsessed with it, comes to life as Emmy. She says she's existed for centuries, appearing to various great artists as a muse. Okay, Jonathan, Jonathan, check your privilege. You have not been able to hold a job as an artist. You are now getting a job as a window dresser Mm -hmm. only because you saved the owner from dying. So you are not a great 
artist. She is lying to you. Yeah. You are insane. Again, if a doll tells you they are alive only for you because you are a great artist and only you can see them, that is called schizophrenia. And you need to seek professional treatment. That is not romance. That is not love. That is terrifying mental illness. And you need to get help. No doll is in love with you. Anybody. Anybody. They are not in love with you. And you're not special. There's been a lot of great artists. She's been around. She's been around since Egypt, and she you think she's picking you, yeah. 1987 Philadelphia window designer? And let's be honest, Andrew McCarthy, you still haven't hit puberty, so she's going to go for that weirdo <laughs> high-low voice thing with the vocal cracks? No, she's not going to do it. Their relationship thrives over the following weeks, and he takes her on a date to see the city on the back of his motorcycle, which is one of the more iconic scenes of the movie. Like, I just cannot with how stupid this is. Okay, do you think that this movie is trying to say that this Egyptian woman is responsible for all of the great art throughout history (laughs) and because of the patriarchy she does not get credit and so sorry Vincent sorry Michelangelo that was actually done by Emmy the Egyptian princess from the past all right so anyway I guess people realize Jonathan seems to have a fixation on this mannequin which I guess is probably not super easy to hide they probably figured that out when he was riding around on a motorcycle with a mannequin on the back You know how you transport mannequins in pieces in the back of a car? You do not put it on the back of your motorcycle. For goodness sakes. So they 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 try to steal Emmy. They can't tell one mannequin from another, shockingly, because mannequins are mannequins. So they end up taking all of them. They try to destroy them. Again, he's in love with a mannequin. I feel like destroying the mannequin. It may break his psyche, but I think it might be what's best for him in the long run, if we're being honest with ourselves. So... Anyway, they try to put them into a trash compactor, and Jonathan jumps onto the loading conveyor belt, grabs Emmy, who is still frozen as a mannequin, and when he attempts to pull her out, then she comes to life and human in front of other people for the first time. Bad guys get arrested or whatever. They're... (sighs) Jonathan and Emmy get married in the store window of the department store they've been working. That's how it ends. There's a mannequin, too. I'm not going to go into it. It's terrible. Everybody just don't. So I have some questions. This may surprise you. I have Mm -hmm. some questions about mannequin. Okay. What name does she put on the marriage certificate? Emmy. Can you marry someone who was previously a mannequin? Um, How can she sign a marriage certificate? If she's from Egypt, she would have to sign her name in hieroglyphics. And then... So she doesn't have a social security number, so she's not actually a person, so that's going to be a thing. Lisa, she was Um, never a person. She was a spirit mannequin. Correct. So then, next question. How do you tell people how you met? What is their story? The same way that Carol Burnett explained where she got her fancy dress, that she saw it in the window and she just couldn't resist. I'm so (laughs) proud of myself. (laughs) For bringing a deep cut Carol Burnett reference. You're, You're a thousand welcome, years old, America, and I love it. And the world. The <laughs> Carol Burnett is rad. I'm not against that at all. <laughs> But yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, so I'm this really great artist, and I made her, actually. Mm-hmm. I made her. I made her, he didn't and make then we her. fell in love. He didn't make her. He dressed her, which no, is no, no. problematic. No, 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 no. No, he no, did no. not create the mannequin. The mannequin yes, he was- did. He assembles the beautiful, perfect mannequin, yeah, but he and then got he the sees pieces. her in the store window later. He got the pieces. It's not like he designed her face. Okay, so I put some limbs on a torso. Yeah. And then I was like, man, she's perfect. Yeah. Could you imagine being in a conversation where someone's like, 
I made the perfect doll and fell in love with it. Oh, okay. Um, I believe that is the plot of Weird Science. (laughs) They are like this. They're the same movie. Oh my god, this is like I my mind is blowing. <laughs> I think I think neither one of us win this week because every garbage <laughs> vote is a vote for both of us. Because it's, it's the same movie. <laughs> okay, so finally, <clears throat> my last question is: Is he freaked out by how many people have seen her naked? Because she's a mannequin. Lisa, we are better than this. Get your mind out of the gutter, Lindsay. Lindsay, that has to be something he considers. How many how many naked mannequins do you see in your life? Well, sometimes they're changing them at a department store. How many times are you seeing a mannequin unclothed? Mm-hmm. Lisa, are you ashamed of nudity? Because <laughs> people are beautiful and art helps us see the beauty in people. And this mannequin <laughs> is a work of art. Just ask Andrew McCarthy. It is because yeah. he did it. Yeah. Good for you. He made he made her. Yeah. By like sticking some things together yeah. that were already created. You didn't make her. You barely had anything to do with her becoming the mannequin that she is today. Yeah. <laughs> I want that as like an inspirational quote with like the pretty font on like a sunset background. Like okay. like as a self-help thing, like <laughs> he did not he barely helped you become the mannequin you are today. Like Yes! Self-love for Emmy! <laughs> so, anyway. Ugh, why it's garbage. Like, I don't know. I feel like... I know. I feel like I don't need to go on with why it's garbage. It's just... It's a super weird movie. It doesn't make sense, and it tries to, which is even worse, and it's stupid, and I hate everything about it. So, yeah. That's weird. That's not weird science. That's Anakin. <laughs> hard to tell. Hard, to, hard tell. to tell. It is hard to tell. Okay! Woo! All right, Lindsay. So, that's our garbage. Mm-hmm. Which are the same. Okay. What is your gold? Probably some honorable mentions and then your gold mm-hmm. movie. Yep. So uh, my first honorable mention is Betsy's Wedding because Alan Alda is wonderful and he wrote and directed that. Um, the movie Young Guns. Hello, oh. Brat Pack Western. So there was a TV show called like Young Riders that I think was based on this. Maybe? Oh. I don't know. I could be wrong. And then uh, my last honorable mention is Pretty in Pink because of John mm. Cryer's Ducky. The mm. best character in all of the Brat Pack movies is Ducky. <laughs> we don't yes. deserve him. He's the best. <laughs> and neither does Molly yeah. Ringwald. For sure. Because she picks Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> my goal choice is The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. released in 1985, written and directed by the one, the only John Hughes, who got it right this time. Way to go, John. Yes. Yeah. Um, so The Breakfast Club is about five students with uh, nothing in common who are faced with a Saturday morning detention together in their high school library. At 7 a.m., they had nothing to say, but by 4 p.m., thank you, IMDb, for this excellent recap, they had bared their souls to each other and become good friends. Mm-hmm. To the outside world, they were simply a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. But mm-hmm. to each other, they would always be the breakfast club. So um, they are not complete strangers. Some of them know each other. But the the five are played by um, Judd Nelson, who plays Bender, the criminal. Molly Ringwald plays Claire, the princess. Anthony Michael Hall plays Brian, the brain. 
Emilio Estevez plays Andy, the athlete, and Ali Sheedy plays Allison, the basket case. And then the school's disciplinary principal, Mr. Vernon, has given them an assignment at detention where they are all to write an essay about who you think you are and the violations they committed to end up in Saturday detention. So it's really the perfect setting for conflict because you have five teenagers who have absolutely nothing in common coming together into one space. And then as the movie progresses, we start to learn more and more about their characters. For instance, we find out that Bender is awful, but Bender is also verbally and physically abused by his father. Um, you find out that similarly, Andy, who is the athlete who is in detention because he like basically did like a hazing in the locker room is that way because he has this overbearing father who wants him to succeed in sports. Um, Allison, the basket case played by Ali Sheedy, you find out that she really is a compulsive liar and that she has a little bit of actually a basket case and you don't learn much else about her character. She's probably the mm-hmm. one you don't learn the most about. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, the brain was suicidal. And the reason that he was in detention is he was going to kill himself with like a, a, flare gun or something and it like ends up starting a fire in his locker um and then claire played by molly ringwald is uncomfortable being the good girl like she's always the good girl and she just doesn't want to be anymore she wants other facets of her her personality to be shown so they learn about each other but they also you start to see the value that they bring to uh, the group so claire is a natural leader bender actually develops a softer attitude and actually becomes more friendly with everyone and kind of saves the day he's the hero of the movie Mm -hmm. andrew becomes interested in allison after claire gives her a makeover that's not great but you know whatever and brian realizes that he can write very well And so then at the end of the movie, instead of each of them writing an essay, they write a letter to Mr. Vernon. That is this kind of motivational, beautiful letter about you don't know us and you've labeled us these things, but you don't know anything about us. Um, There's some iconic scenes in this movie, like when they're dancing on top of the shelves in the library or when they are they've snuck out of the library to go get uh, Bender's stash out of his locker and they like mm-hmm. see the principal in the hallway and they have to like run away and they like kind of mm-hmm. slide to a stop. Yep. So the reason that this movie is gold and there are a lot of them um, in exact opposite of weird science that he made at, made at a very similar time. This movie has character development. There is nuance to characters. There is growth in characters. You do not see the same kids at the beginning of the movie that you see at the end of the movie. And that's really right. shown through the, there is a version of Brian's letter read at the beginning of the movie and then one at the end. And it's slightly different to signify that they have grown and changed. The other reason, when you think Brat Pack, you think this movie. It's one of the iconic movies. Um, You think about them dancing. You think about them running around. You think about this movie in particular. And it's a genius Mm -hmm. move to have this many of them in the same movie together. Um, Because there is so much star power in this, this group. Um, this movie also has an excellent message. Um, it, mm-hmm. and the message is people are more than they appear and that, uh, yeah. they are complex and we can't understand them if we only know one facet of who they are. Um, and yeah. that maybe these stereotypes that we put teenagers in and really adults mm-hmm. and everyone in right. are 
bad because they are they are just more than that and the final reason why this movie is gold is because there is nothing better than the final scene of the movie when judd nelson is walking across the football field Uh as the simple mind song don't you is playing and he puts his fist up in the air and it freezes it in fact has been pointed out as one of the best endings of movies ever in another movie pitch perfect case closed (laughs) the breakfast club is the goldest of gold brat pack movies yeah i mean yeah it's super good i also really like movies my gold will also be this way where it's like everything takes place in a day i think that's really cool i think that's a like a challenge as a storytelling device and one that i really appreciate because you have to really get into like the you know the the details of what their day will include if you're not just going to do major plot points obviously you have to do like all that stuff which then is more relationship driven and conversation driven than action or whatever so i really do like that stuff about um the breakfast club and it is when when you say brat pack i think breakfast club for Mm -hmm. sure hands down so yeah Yeah. that makes sense way to go way to go john hughes Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes you sometimes you did good (laughs) indeed all right so that was my gold choice lisa what is your gold choice yeah well i have some honorable mentions i do really like 16 candles uh as my honorable mention because i really like it's it's more molly ringwald and like an angsty like Mm -hmm. because everything's overshadowed by her sister's wedding and they forget about her birthday and i just there's parts of that that it just starts off with a very melancholy feel and i think that's really cool for a, a whole movie to go with that and then also jake woof, he is mm, something special um he is. young guns also is on mine mm-hmm. and the outsiders is also one of my i've not seen that one for gold oh yeah i do not like the book this is one of those rare occasions where i like the movie better than the book so anyway my gold my my brat pack gold movie ferris bueller's day off okay question yep is this a brat pack movie yes because it's on the list this is a <laughs> contested one for being on the i i believe brat pack movies have to include members of the brat pack and ferris bueller's day off does not include a member of the brat pack the brat pack would originally include the actors that are in uh saint almost fire and the breakfast club i think are the two movies that they that they draw from but it's also actors who have been in movies with them in that time frame oh please and this is also it is it's on the it's on the list this is why i have the list (laughs) but it's also written i think someone wrote in on the list (laughs) it it is a contested one though because some people will say it is and people will say it isn't so i'm saying that it is i'm saying that it isn't that's fine you you can no (laughs) it's also written and directed by john hughes so again that's also he's not in the brat pack he was too old oh my god he's too old He's not a young up and coming actor who stars in movies with other uh, young and up and coming actors about teenagers and angst. Well, apparently these film stars were also given that title in this time frame. Well, Lisa, why don't you tell us more about your cheating gold? (laughs) The film stars Matthew Broderick is first. Who's not in the Brat Pack? A high school slacker who skips school for a day in Chicago with Mia Sarah and Alan Ruck. We who are also not in the Brat Pack. Let me (laughs) just clarify. (laughs) He regularly breaks the fourth wall to explain his techniques and inner thoughts. It was one of the top grossing films of 1986 and was critically an audience acclaimed for performances, tone, direction, humor, soundtrack, and messages. And in 2014, 
The film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, being deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yes, but not a Brat Pack movie. <laughs> it's on the list. Well, yeah, list. one list. One list. <laughs> it's includes... on lots of lists. No. It is not on some lists, but it is on lots of lists. I, I promise you, it's like contested. It is a contested thing. So I knew you were going to come at me for this. <laughs> <laughs> I only come at you when you cheat. <laughs> I don't think that that's true, but that's we'll we'll go with that for now. <laughs> yes, so. it is. That's the only time I ever come after you when you cheat. I can't handle it. My moral compass is so strong that when you bend the rules for your own for your own purposes, it bothers yes. me. The plot of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you don't know, is near the end of his senior year. Ferris Bueller, he pretends that he's sick to stay home. And then throughout the movie, like I said, he frequently breaks the fourth wall to talk about his friends and give the audience advice. And his parents think that he's sick, though his sister Jeannie, is w- Jennifer Grey, is well aware he is not. And Jennifer then- Grey, also not in the Brat Pack. Because if <laughs> we are using that, then Dirty Dancing is a Brat Pack movie. Dean of Students, Edward R. Rooney, suspects Ferris is a repeat truant and he wants to catch him. So... Uh, Ferris goes on, like, an adventure day with his best friend Cameron, who is legitimately absent due to illness, although he's a hypochondriac, so, you know. And then they help lure Ferris's girlfriend Sloan Peterson, which, is there a more 80s name than Sloan Peterson? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. So, anyway, she pretends that her grandma died so they can all, you know, go for the day. So, they borrow uh, Cameron's dad's Ferrari, and then they go on like downtown adventures in Chicago for the day, basically. So, and there's lots of iconic scenes in it. Also, like when they're at Wrigley Field, or um, when he is in the parade, spontaneously lip syncing um, that Wayne Newton cover and twist and shout and whatever. So he does all that. They decide to take the Ferrari from the parking lot from downtown Chicago, go home. They discover a lot of miles have been put on the odometer because the people in the parking garage took it for a uh, joyride. Cameron becomes catatonic with shock and they try to rewind the odometer. It doesn't work. The Ferrari crashes through the garage into the pit behind the house. And then, you know, Ferris tries to take the blame of Cameron's like, nope, I'm going to stand up to my dad. So. Everybody gets home. Everybody gets fine. The The last line of the movie is Ferris reminds the audience. That he's not in the Brat pr- Pack? <laughs> Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while. You'll end up in the Brat you Pack. You could miss it. You could miss it. <laughs> this is Brat Pack movie gold. Uh, first of all, it isn't. But continue. <laughs> this is the first movie that I saw. <laughs> that broke the fourth wall and i really liked that like it it's just such an interesting concept to try to like when they talk directly to you i think that's neat which is not a a feature of a brat pack movie because this is not a brat pack movie (laughs) it's a lot of cool chicago stuff in there that feels really cool so this is one of the ones however that is shocking to me hughes wrote this screenplay in less than a week Mm. ferris bueller's day off is relatable Ferris skipping school because pretending to be sick. We've all done it. Cameron's relationship with his parents. Strained. We've all been there. The sibling rivalry. Yes, please. But it's rooted in true emotion and angst. And ultimately, the reason why this is such gold is that Matthew Broderick is absolutely perfect in this movie. Like, it's like it's so, so, so perfect. He's so great. Perfect. He's also yes. not in the Brat Pack, but he's great. <laughs> he is great. It is an excellent movie. Too bad it is not a Brat Pack movie and you've been disqualified. All right, Lindsay, let's hit that recap and tell the listeners how to vote. 
You all can go and vote for our garbage choices, which are the same movie, Weird Science or Mannequin. Doesn't matter how you vote. They're the same using the hashtags Lindsay Garbage or Lisa Garbage. And you can vote for our gold choices, Lindsay's actual Brat Pack movie gold choice of The Breakfast Club and Lisa's cheater gold choice of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is not a Brat Pack movie, using the hashtags Lindsay Gold or Lisa Gold on Instagram and Twitter accounts at Garbage Gold Pot. Ferris Bueller's Day Off doesn't feature any of the stars typically associated with yes, the Brat Pack, but it was made do that because by we Hughes love to hear And we love chatting with you about your choices. Get up in our feeds, friends. Tell us how you feel. We'll share the poll results in our favorite listener comments on our next episode. If you haven't done so already, if you can... <laughs> you don't even want to let me talk anymore, and I love it. To iTunes, or wherever it is that you listen to us every week, and give us a rate, review, and subscribe. We sure would appreciate it. And if you want more of this episode that is now running at, at one hour and 15 minutes, oh. you can hit us up on our Patreon, where we have all of these, plus bonus episodes for a mere $2 or $5 a month. There's all these different rankings. And you should tell your friends about us, because who doesn't love a podcast rep? like recommendation if you yeah. love us and we brighten your week i i bet we brighten someone others else's week and you can join us next week when we deliberate the garbage and gold of the super bowl bye everybody <laughs> <laughs>